Blog Talk Radio. to Plus Model Radio, the number one podcast for plus-size women. I'm your host, Shanice Lewis. Today is Friday, May 15, 2009. Thanks for tuning in. I've got an exciting show for you today with special guest Emmy. Emmy, the supermodel, television personality, author, lecturer, clothing designer, and women's advocate, was selected twice by People Magazine as one of the 50 most beautiful people, and Ladies Home Journal chose her as one of the most important women in America and one of the most fascinating women of the year. And the accolades don't stop there. She was honored as a Glamour Magazine Woman of the Year and as one of Biography Magazine's 25 Most Influential Women. Emmy burst onto the scene as the world's first full-figured supermodel and as host of E! Entertainment Television's Fashion Emergency. She quickly became a popular icon not only in the United States but around the globe. Emmy's television appearances are innumerable, not only as a fashion expert, but advocating for women on important issues including lifestyle, mothering, and body image. Always a trendsetter, Emmy became the first full-figured model to ever land a spokesperson contract with the cosmetics company when she signed with Revlon. Her views have set a refreshingly new standard of beauty both here and abroad. She's also the first full-figured model to have a high-fashion collectible doll sculptured in her likeness. Emmy is a highly praised author, an influential columnist, and a vocal advocate for people of all ages to be fit and have a healthy lifestyle. Let's welcome the fabulous Emmy to the show. Hello! Hi, Emmy. How are you doing this I'm morning? I'm great. What a wonderful intro. <laughs> well, thank you. You've done so much. You, you just had, I had to cut out half of it. You just <laughs> so accomplished. Oh, it's so wonderful. I'm so glad that you have this incredible uh, radio show. Well, thank you for spending um, an hour with us today. I know you're a busy woman, and everybody's so hyped to hear hear you this morning so let's start from the beginning and just kind of go in chronological order order of everything you've done so you've written about your childhood and how growing up um your parents were real strict about your weight as far as doing weigh-ins and pointing out your trouble spots at a young age so how do you think you were able to overcome these experiences as an adult so easily or was it easy Oh, what a good question. Um, it was it was very hard being in the house with such a stringent uh, relationship with food and so many emotional attachments uh, that I, I was deserving of food or too much food, too little and all that, and then weigh-ins and um, 
and outside of the house, outside of the confines of the house, I was a superior athlete. I was always on varsity teams, and I think I got my energy out. Mm-hmm. I got my frustrations out through the athletic sport. And it really worked to my favor where I focused I liked getting praise because I wasn't really getting a lot of that <clears throat> excuse me uh from my own home. My mom was very pra- praise you know giving me a lot of praise uh but then there was the conflict with my stepfather and my my mother having been a dieter, and there's all that emotional stuff around that so being an athlete and working as a team player and mm-hmm. seeing how um if you train and if you work hard you can actually do incredible things with your body. So without even knowing it as a young person, I was setting the the, the stage for a life relationship, a positive life relationship with my body. The emotional side to it had to catch up to that. And mm-hmm. I think as an adult, the last thing anybody would have ever expected me to get involved with was probably modeling and me, uh, probably the, the top of the list there because I didn't like the hair and the makeup and all the fuss and all the time. I, I enjoyed So you dancing. were a tomboy? Yes, ma'am. Mm-hmm. I was. <laughs> and uh, I think, I, think it, it just, I just fell off the edge when I first really um, was introduced to plus-size modeling. I was a size 12, 14, 5'11", very athletic, very normal. Mm-hmm. And I thought, plus size? Am I plus size or, you know, what, do I have to lose weight or what? And I walked into Ford Models and they said, um, actually, we'd like you to be a 14. And I go, you must be kidding me. Really? Yeah. So, so yeah. So the rest was really history. And I had to come to grips with ex- true acceptance because if you don't accept yourself as a model with as a, as a you know who you are as a size fourteen or a size twelve or it comes out in your eyes and well, then there's the, a disconnect. One of the things you credit for helping boost boost your self esteem is athletics, and you got a full scholarship to Syracuse University. So um, at that time, were you around a twelve, fourteen, two? But you were um, athletic build. Oh yeah, I was. I was born a twelve. I feel, mm-hmm. you know. So so <laughs> even was, though you were quote unquote plus size, you were still healthy and active. Yeah, I you know today I'm a fourteen and I'm considered on the BMI charts as obese. So yeah, who who yeah. knows you know? And I'm tra- I train for triathlons. No, I've always. I have. I finally got to a place where, when we first started the full-figured movement, and there were women before me prior to my my career, they would just, you know, they were the groundbreakers. And then when we moved in, the group of us in the 90s, um, we were still trying to struggle to not lose weight, to stay at a weight, and to stay healthy. And I mean, the girls, we all worked out every day, right. just an hour, but not three. And we did eat three square meals and snacks, you know, without it being denying, you know. So we'd sit at the tables for shoots, and a lot of the straight size models would look at us smoking their cigarettes and having a Diet Coke while we would have a salad and a piece of chicken. And, you know, if there were cookies out there, have some a, a cookie, you know, right, normal. Right, and not deprive yourself. No, no. But we would also, you know, make sure that our measurements were key, right on, and showing up on time and being, you know, clean, clean and making your hair exactly highlighted and colored and everything plucked and shaved and, you know, being well, a Well, how did you lead into a career of modeling? Because I know you went to school to be a news broadcaster. So how did the modeling even come into the picture? 
Um, I would. I went out to LA, uh, one-way ticket from Syracuse, and I worked um, as a page for NBC. I waited on a 7,000-person list until I was my name came up. And I was selling shoes prior to that in L.A. and taking care of uh, a producers and an actress's uh, children. Um, mm-hmm. Got lost on the 405 freeway frequently and left that job still close with the family. But, you know, I was su- not suited to be a good au pair. <laughs> um, <laughs> and I uh, had I always wanted to be a reporter. And because sports were so important to me, I thought that I should be, you know, I was going to be um, the next Gail Gardner. At that time, Gail Gardner was one really fiery reporter at uh, ESPN. And okay. uh, one thing led to the other. I got a job at the as the PAGE program got into um, – reporting in Flagstaff, Arizona, and realized there in such a small market for an embassy affiliate that I did not like the, you know, burning house and the news director saying, get the story, get it good, and get details, and the emotion. Mm -hmm. And I would go home at night, and, you know, a child would die, and the mother was sobbing, and my news director would say, oh, that's great, and I would be left with, that's not the kind of TV work that I want to do, or someone right, getting right. severed in half at the, you know, with the train and everyone rushing and and you know nine one one on the radio. I didn't have that drive. I wanted to have more of the the forums and hearing what people had to say. Mm-hmm. I was more into the experience of how much how alike we were, despite the color of our skin, despite mm-hmm. our religious backgrounds, because I was living with the Native Americans right there, Hopi Navajo, and it was mm-hmm. very interesting to hear the experience, you know, mm-hmm, that, mm-hmm. so bringing out the stories, that's where my heart always was. So I packed everything up, sold every living thing, every, every darn thing I had in my life, and went back to New York, worked as a secretary, and one of my friends was dating a woman who was a full-figured, quote-unquote, full-figured model, and I kept on looking at her going, you look so normal to me. Right. And the rest was really history. I, I think I just walked in at the right time, and I had my TV reporting background and People Magazine in 94. Uh, where they were looking for a different kind of beauty, a little bit mm-hmm. more realistic, beautiful mm-hmm. image. And that set my career on fire. So you are the first full-figured supermodel. So tell us, how do you think the plus modeling industry has evolved over the last 10 years? Hmm. Well, uh, I just, I, you know, the, you're working against, we're all working against a very fat phobic society, and I mm-hmm. think it's going to change. I think it's changing. I think when one individual, when we as people, whether we're full-figured or not, mm-hmm. when we as people start accepting ourselves, we cast less of a, a sneer. We cast less of a bad comment towards the TV with someone who might be, be you know, different than you. Mm-hmm. Or we would say we would be less bullying to other people. There's a real problem in our country with kids who are obese, um, either A, committing suicide, and B, being homeschooled because they're being teased so much in school. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think it's from where we come from as people that if we're so scared to have someone that might be, quote-unquote, fat next to us, that mm-hmm. somehow that's going to rub off. I personally was in a, a restaurant, 
a very fine fish restaurant, like the finest in New York. Uh, I'm not going to mention names, but I sat down and I actually observed, and this is not the only time, but this was just horrendous. And the woman uh, that was sitting down, this other woman and her husband came, or boyfriend came and sat down, the waiter sat them next to this woman who was very large, beautifully dressed, impeccably dressed, and had a lovely date. They were having a nice time. I didn't, you know, I wasn't eavesdropping, but I saw that they were smiling at her. This one woman looked at the waiter and said, I will not sit next to this fat woman. And she wasn't whispering. She said it out loud. And I was horrified. And it was right when I had some exposure. And I mean, I'm very vocal about this kind of stuff. Mm -hmm. And the woman that was sitting there said nothing. And she was very, uh, very dignified. And the other woman was placed elsewhere in the restaurant. And I, I, my stomach was hurting me beyond. And I went up after my dinner and I went over to the woman. I said, you know, you're so filled with grace. Mm-hmm. And it's really not your issue, is it? And she said, it's, it's, I am who I am and this is my journey. And I said, yes, it is. <laughs> and, you know, it's almost like being a plus size uh, model we have to be so filled with acceptance and if we're taking care of ourselves and we are bigger naturally but we're working out on a regular basis to keep our hearts healthy and our bodies alive so we have them for the rest of our lives and we're eating in a way that's consciously you know good for us that we're thinking good, well of ourselves mm-hmm. well then that's that's it that's right. life. And then we have other room to think about being kind and compassionate to our friends, being you know, being good parents, being good friends, being good lovers, being good to the environment. So we're right. not self-obsessed with just ourselves. Right, right, right. Now, as a plus-size model, you have a lot of um, accomplishments. One, being the first full-figure woman to ever land a spokesperson contract with Revlon. So was that your big break that made you a household name? I think People Magazine in 94 was, and then being the TV host for um, Fashion Emergency really put me in a regular, you know, frequency like right every night or every two nights i'd be on at seven o'clock and with a new show that gave away clothes Mm -hmm. made people over wow you know right right. and so that i think got my image and little did they know that i had to cut my clothes up the back and use electrical tape to keep it together really yes ma'am because i was not going to show my body and my image in a way that was going to be be different than what I envisioned me as a host should look like. Mm -hmm. And so I took, I had two stylists and they were running their tushies all over LA and New York, Mm -hmm. trying to find really awesome, great looking, not overtly sexy, Mm -hmm. but trend forward and curve friendly. And it was very hard to find. Right, right, right. So besides, yeah. Oh, I'm sorry, you have, you're saying something else? No, no. So what were some other of the major campaigns you had over your modeling career? I know Revlon, but what were some other ones? Revlon was amazing to to be in a campaign with Halle Berry and Cindy Crawford and do a lot of publicity around that. That was quite revolutionary for a makeup uh, company to be able to take that on. Um, hopefully today... 
uh, that's not going to be so revolutionary because we do have Queen Latifah working with Maybelline. Oh, excuse me, is it CoverGirl? CoverGirl, yeah. CoverGirl. And we have um, other, you know, curvy, talented, you know, celebrities that are gracing campaigns more so these days than it was just that one time for me. And please, I'll tell you, there just needs to be more diversity in our representation in mainstream products. So um, having the opportunity, having my own clothing line in department stores right. was fantastic. It was I was so happy to just not have to say to the, the women that would email me, where did you get that outfit? Where can I find that? And I'd have to say many times, this is the only one because the designer was asked to make it for me. Because mm. I had specifics where I said, I don't want anything boxy. I want. I don't want it misproportioned. I want it to be hitting my leg here, and you know, just because I have curves doesn't mean that I'm going to be wearing my mother's clothing. Right, and right. that that at first, a lot of people were saying, "Well, well, okay." And so, having those clothing lines and being able to communicate and using the clothing lines as a vehicle to Im- encourage women to get out shopping, to, you know, to see themselves differently Mm -hmm. um, was great. And I, you know, it's still today, I think the modeling industry goes through ups and downs. Um, Mm -hmm. I just wish that there were more sponsors and more advertisers uh, other than just Dove standing up and saying, we love women. Right. And here they are. Are you still modeling or have you retired from modeling? No, I'm still modeling. I, you know, I'm I just talked to Ford again and I'm talking uh t- there's some interesting projects that are on the horizon which I can't really talk about right now. Mm-hmm. But um I think there we're going to see a nice shift. I think okay. if women can, you know, I'm on my website emmystyle.com, e m m e style.com. Um, you can check it out and just become a member, and, and I'll let you know what's going on. Um, and I'm sure on on your site as well. Um, it's is it c h e n e s e lewis dot com? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, there's just I think that we as women, whether we're size two or twenty two, there's a lot of women who are really sick and tired of looking at their friends being sent to the basement of clothing stores to go buy clothes, and they go to a different area. I think we as women who are fuller are very sick and tired of not being able to get whatever is available for everyone else. And if we just sit back and not use our voice, and we sit back and we just, I call it the coach couch, excuse Mm -hmm. me, couch coach, Mm-hmm. And you point your finger out and saying, they're doing it wrong, this is wrong, that's wrong. Well, nothing's going to get done. You have to bring that finger back to you and point it to yourself and say, what am I going to do about it? Right, right. What am I, what are my thoughts about this clothing line? Or what are my thoughts about this TV show? What are my thoughts? And actually write producers or actually go to the department store or gather with other friends and write a really impressive letter when a clothing line really does it well. And you want have cr- you noticed that people will write and say something um, negatively quicker than positively? Yes. And they have to do be the other way around. Well, there's a lot to be upset about because there's not a lot of options. Right. However, in, in a way of, you know, how you talk to a child and you talk to, not that you don't want to 
placate anybody, but the way that you get more out of someone is by showing their positive parts, mm-hmm. they're, what they're doing right. So if a right. department store has an incredible line and they end at a 16 or they, they take away the 16, like I think it's Ann Taylor that just did that, write them and say, I know 35 women that are size 16, 18, 20, 22, or whatever. Right. And we want you to bring your those styles into the store or write the CEO. Your letters, our letters, we are the consumers. We fill their pockets. Mm-hmm. So if you want to see something change, you must be a part of the change. You can't right. just sit back and think someone else is going to read your mind. <laughs> exactly, exactly. Now, you're also a, a writer, and you had a advice column in Mode Magazine. Why do you think it's so hard for these magazine guilds towards plus-size women to stay in print? Your guess is as good as mine. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, really. How great was Mode? Awesome. Did you? I cried when I first saw this thing come out. Yes. It had the right tone. I think... I think our next generation of magazines that uh, you know that really celebrate the fashion in all of us mm-hmm. is perhaps yes we might need another mode-ish kind of magazine which would not be bad. Mm-hmm. However, I think that we as women maybe don't want to be compartmentalized as those big girls. Mm-hmm. Do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. I think that you know women in a feminist way mm-hmm. want to be. Um, well, there's of course it's a very controversial. Of course, there's going to be women that just don't want to sit next to the fat girl. You know what right. I mean in the restaurant. Right. I understand that. I just don't think it's a majority rule there. I think those people have low self-esteem. Mm-hmm. No matter what, it, it could be about weight. It could be about race. It could be about male, female. Like, you know, it, it could be just about anything that they can point their finger at and try and set themselves apart. So I think that there, it would be very interesting to, yes, bring back the mode, have that, or the mode-esque kind of magazine, very high level, beautiful fashion, great photographers, great stories, beautiful, God, beautiful women, and, you know, have that there. But then with the success of that, I'd love to see more inclusion in more mainstream magazines where where you do have diversity of size representation of the models that are working in the industry. Right, right. Just we and it won't happen unless the women who are the subscribers actually use their voices with Vogue, with Glamour, with Redbook, with the mainstream dudes because. It's a hard life out there right now. and But if we as as the people who are buying the magazines are sick and tired of the conflicting messages with the um, diet-related industries, mm-hmm. putting in the ads and then having a self-esteem article, you need to let them know. Right, right. Now, would you ever consider having an Emmy magazine? <laughs> like um, Oprah? I would be a part of a magazine, and I think that um, – Thank you for asking. I would love to be a part of getting a great magazine together. I'm not sure that the name Emmy for a magazine would be the best way to go. <laughs> um, if that's the general consensus, then you know maybe the word Emmy could be inclusive and you know bring it all together. But I think that there's another. I don't. You know, I'm not. That's not a goal of mine. 
Okay. I'd like to be a part of bringing some incredible people together and a part of a magazine that would be reflected online and, you know, outside of the magazine where there's a tactile connection where we can get together, where we can support one another, where we can have fun and go on cruises and vacations and, you know, ranch going to, you know, uh, you know, doing those kinds of things. That would be really wonderful. Now, besides doing articles and columns, you've authored uh, four books. So let's go down the list of your books and tell me a little bit about each of them. Each of them. Now, the first one was True Beauty. That was your first book, and that yep. was uh, more biographical? Yes. Yes, it was about I, – I was doing a lot of lectures around that time in 97, and when I first came out with the, the, you know, the show and with the People magazine, um, I, I was – I heard a lot of the angst of younger kids and their mothers about their own body image. And I had this story about my own stepfather drawing on my thighs and my, my about to jump the backs of my arms because he went away to a weight loss clinic in um, North Carolina where they drew on a, a body skin first. You put it on and then they show you where you need to lose your weight. So he actually, I don't know this for sure, but he actually drew on my skin, showing me at age 12 where my potential fat areas are. And here I am, this cute thing. I didn't mm-hmm. think of that back then, but I look back on pictures and I'm like, oh, I was so adorable. Right. You know, tushy and a tummy and, you know, athletic, getting all gold, you know, gold medals and blue ribbons, but still had fleshiness. It wasn't straight, never would be German and Polish, you know, but the insensitivity of, quote-unquote, cloaked in, I'm doing this for your own good kind of move, really wrecked my self-esteem and body image for so long. And I thought there was something really wrong with me because I was chunky here and there. But um, I think I, I went through that story and said that I actually had to forgive him in order for me to move on. And I wrote a, you know, a seven-page, you know, five illegal pad both sides a letter of like explaining exactly what went on in many different situations and and told him I forgave him and then he wrote me back and said you could just forget about it and I'm always going to be your step you know your father and that's it but he never he and I never spoke after that Mm. but it I had to do that in order for him every single time I was on the phone with him the first thing he would say was how much do you weigh really there were some issues. It wasn't my issues. I figured it out with a lot of good help from therapists and mm-hmm. and working on who I was. I realized that I had to give him back his issues mm-hmm. and had to forgive him that his perspective was just limited to this, that my perspective was a much bigger aperture of acceptance and that it was me. I had to take care of myself the best way I could, and that was not to overeat anymore and to blame myself and to body bash myself. I mean, gosh, I, and it took years. So the True Beauty book, you know, I threw out my scale out the door. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't own a scale either. Well, I mean, now today when I go to my doctor's because I had cancer and I, I have regular checkups and all that kind of stuff, I now get on the scale and I'm like, oh, okay. Because it's my life is much more than my weight. Right. And I, if I'm consistent with myself, I'm pretty consistent now. Right, right. You know? And now I, tell us uh, about the second book, Life's Little Emergencies. It's just a, a girlfriend's guide to help you with 
you know, the little things that happen in life and sometimes the big things that you just need to try and keep in perspective. And it's tongue-in-cheek and fun, and I have like a a few chapters that are shout-outs from professionals, you know, the leaders in in the body image and self-esteem arena, talking about how crazy we all are about our bodies and how important it is to just, you know, don't waste life. Take good care of yourself, you know, mm-hmm. and uh, get to the issues so that you can just start enjoying. Um, to how to um, how to change a tire. <laughs> really? Yeah, it's you know little girlfriend. All of life, little emergency. Yeah, how to go? You know, when do you go to? A, you know, do you not go to a funeral? Do you always go to every single one? Do you how what do what do you wear to certain things and how to handle a mother-in-law or you know oh, okay. all that stuff. Okay. Yeah. And so, okay, the third one, Morning Has Broken a Couple's Journey Through Depression. Now, this book kind of placed you as a, um, an expert um, on depression, right? And you became kind of like a spokesperson after this book? No, actually, my ex-husband um, is really doing that work. This okay. was a gift. Um, I really did not want to write about this whole uh, situation, not because I was embarrassed in any way, shape, or form, it was just so raw. It was very difficult. However, um, we are told that this book really has helped many, many people. It's a, it's written in a he said, she said perspective. And I told Philip when I went out to write this uh, shortly after he got over a major hump. Of, he wanted to kill himself, and it was just, it was really horrendous. Um, and I said, I need to let you know that if I am to do this book, I am going to be absolutely brutally honest so that it's not Pollyanna Mm -hmm. that it's It's true true. it's real Mm -hmm. so um, I released it to Philip and he is a lecturer around the country and I'm you know that's one thing that he he really uh, of many he does many wonderful things but this is his life's passion so having done the book and did the circuit with him he is totally involved in that and I am not Oh, okay. Okay. Yeah. So the fourth book is a book for kids titled What Are You Hungry For? Now, what is mm. this book about? Well, it's a it's a book about bringing up or just opening the flower to hunger, our emotional and physical hunger mm-hmm. at a young age. And now, what's the age range? It's like elementary school? Is yeah, younger. It's like a three to five, okay. you know, six. You know, it's a it's a colorful book for three-year-olds, and it's just, you know, cute and fun. But the message the kids get, I think it starts around five, six. And it's talking about how sometimes, you know, you might reach for food, but what you really are looking for is a mm. hug, mm. is a kind word, is a shared moment with your cat, your dog, your grandma, your mom, your dad, your caretaker, Um a pat on the back from your coach. Sometimes also you want to have a big silly party with, you know, an ice cream sundae party and sticking mm-hmm. your straws up your nose and being silly. Right. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yes, yes. So it's, I think a lot of children, especially, you know, over the last 15 years, talking and talking and listening and listening with eating, I'm the national ambassador for the um the National Eating Disorders Association, and my goodness, being a part of this organization has really taught me so much about my own issues when I was younger and just starting the industry and opened my aperture of, of compassion 
for what the anorexics and bulimics and compulsive overeaters, as well as the obese, just the what's what's going on in that area, and um, it. I just wanted to contribute uh, to to a child's development in this area of hunger, mm-hmm. that it's not just physical hunger that we are hungry. Uh, we are emotionally hungry, and it's okay to ask for what you need. Oh wow, that's fabulous! This really good book to put out. So, besides being an accomplished author, another one of your accomplishments is um, you had the Emmy doll designed <laughs> by Robert Tonner. Is that how you pronounce his name? Robert Tonner. Tonner. Yep. So, was that your idea, or did they seek you out to do this doll? That's so neat. I, Robert is a, is a, an incredible uh, collective uh, doll designer, and he did the dolls for Chicago. I mean, I could list on and on and on and on. He does all the show the the, the dolls. I think for Miss America, I believe. Mm-hmm. I could be wrong, but he's done dolls for major shows, major Broadway things, major events in life, um, and. He came to me at, through my agency at William Morris, and mm-hmm. he said, um, you know, we'd love to do this because there's not that many Barbies out there that are more realistic in shape, and we'd love to do this. And, and a high fashion, it's a highly collectible doll. And um, next thing I know, I'm in Las Vegas signing 200 cheeks of Emmy <laughs> for at a big promotional event, and I and I thought, there, there is something really unusual about this, but... Um, you know, I found myself, uh, it was really great. It was the toy of the year at the toy fair. Um, and I think that, you know, if I had more, more kind of a momentum in my career, um, in 2001, when I actually had to pull away, uh, Mm -hmm. because things were happening in my private life with Philip, um, Mm -hmm. I think I would have had like Emmy and her friends and a whole little thing going on with that. But, you know, I I would have totally um, done what I did with, you know, taking care of what was happening at home um, mm-hmm. again. You know, mm-hmm. you, I just knew that you can't have a thriving television career and clothing career and all that when something serious is happening at home. So, Right, right. Well, I totally understand. You have to take care of yourself first. Yeah. So... You currently have a clothing line on QVC called Me by Emmy. Now, what type of clothing do you carry? It's casual. It's casual. It's um, flat jersey pants that are yummy and delicious and um, a miracle zipper tops that, you know, if you live in warmer climates, you might want that for the back of your chair when you're at the office, you know, with air conditioning. Um, I'm actually uh, winding down that line. It's uh, not in production, but it is still selling at QVC. And um, I'm looking into a couple of other interesting uh, ventures. Now, this isn't your first clothing line, because I have some clothes of yours from um, a couple years ago. And I think I got it at Nordstrom. Yeah. Yeah, because I have like this silk wrap shirt, and it's hot pink and striped and some black pants. Ooh. (laughs) So you got the poochie. You got the wrapped poochie top. Yes. Nice. Oh, good for you. (laughs) So this is the QVC thing. This is your second clothing line then, right? I actually had a clothing line like with a bat of an eye uh, called True Beauty in JCPenney for just a heartbeat. I think it was there just for a moment. Oh, okay. uh, Yeah, but 
um, I, I really enjoyed having my Emmy collection. It was more uh, career slash lifestyle, and a lot of women are like, oh, I would love to see this. And there's going to be another a chance for all of that. It's, uh, you know, I, I once again, it's like cleansing of the palate. Uh, you know, I'm healthy, thank God, and, and my private life is good, and Toby, my daughter, as well, and, and my ex-husband and I are, thank goodness, doing well. And uh, I think it's time to start having fun in all different areas. Right. Now, I want to touch on some of what you just said. 2007 was a tough year for you. So you were diagnosed with cancer and you divorced your husband. So how did this year change your life? <laughs> well, it. Uh, I... I I just, uh, I was really, I was about to get into a, a very big uh, comeback with a, uh, a network, and I realized three days after, before I was supposed to sign the contract that was negotiated that I had cancer. Wow. And I suggested another host for the position that I was, you know, excited to uh, join in, but, you know, I knew that I had no idea how I was going to react to chemo, and mm -hmm. I knew that my doctor was telling me that there was no way. I had to cancel the cruise I was going on. I had to cancel a lot of different things because mm -hmm. my doctor said every other Friday for eight months, or excuse me, for six and a half or seven months, you must be here at Columbia. I will not let you manage this one. You mm -hmm. must be here, and you must get treatment. And I don't care what's on that Friday, you have to change it. And I go, really? He goes, you've got to let go to this. You must take this very seriously. And I said, of mm. course I'm taking it seriously. He goes, no, you can't fit anything else in. You so you just had to take off completely? Uh-huh. Mm. I did. And I had to reach out to my girlfriends. You know, I had 12 chemo buddies. Mm -hmm. And I decided not to be secretive about it, that I actually needed support. And um, I was very blessed with 12 very, very dear friends that uh, stepped up and, and helped me. And, you know, my ex-husband did a, a good job. He did his very best. And my sweet daughter, you know, <laughs> washed my feet one time and made me cry so hard because she was just so, I mean, that was just one of many things that she would do, and mm -hmm. just saying, it's okay, Mom, you're going to be all right, and she cut my hair. Oh, my God. I, I shaved my hair off because it was falling out so much, mm -hmm. and she was like, I'm your new hairstylist. I'll take care of your hair. I was like, okay. So oh. all of a sudden, I see a line of Barbie dolls with all these really, really short haircuts, and I go, oh. Toby, what are you doing? She goes, they have chemo, but they're going to be okay. Oh. So, you know, so that was, you know, I'm 100% well now in 2009, and my PET scans are all clear. My doctor, I just did Nurse Appreciation Day at Columbia. I'm very into essential oils and how the therapeutic benefit of, you know, relaxation with lavender and uh, peppermint and helping with allergies and all that kind of stuff and relaxation. I went back to the infusion unit to give massages and and to say thank you. Oh, that's great. Now, yeah. while... Um Recovering, I don't know if recovering from cancer is the right word, but um, in the process you adopted this new holistic green lifestyle. So tell me more about that. Well, it's a, it's an, when you get touched by cancer, mm -hmm. you 
sit back and you say, what am I ingesting? And how could this happen? I just couldn't believe it. I was already juicing a little bit here and there. I was eating well. I um, had gotten myself off gluten about three years prior to the diagnosis because I was itching so uncontrollably. And even if I wasn't eating a lot, my weight would fluctuate very strangely. And someone said, are you typo? And, uh, you know, do you do you eat, you know, bagels or bread? And I go, yeah. And they go, get off the wheat. That's a really good thing to just get off wheat because you might be allergic to it and your body might be getting inflamed. I said, okay, whatever. I hate dealing with like denial of food because I can't stand diets. <laughs> and I said, okay, I'm going to do it. And all of a sudden the itching subsided a little bit and I found that I was stabilizing in a weight that was very much me, you know, mm-hmm. and I was not eating any differently except just having rice bread and having rice crackers and having rice bread you can buy that at the grocery store oh yeah 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 yeah. and yes it's going to taste differently but my stomach didn't hurt me after i ate a slice of pizza Mm -hmm. um or my hands wouldn't be swollen my cheeks wouldn't be i mean my eyes would almost be swollen so after you know a while i said okay i'm just gonna see how this is and um you start looking into it do i have celiac disease i don't think so Mm-hmm. But am I sensitive to wheat? Definitely, yes. So, you know, there's there's certain times that if I'm out to dinner and I order an eggplant parmesan, it's breaded with bread on the outside, I know that I can't have a dinner like that for a few weeks. Mm-hmm. But um, on a regular basis when I'm cooking for myself at home, it's more greens and it's more, you know, like I'll have rice as a side. I don't have pasta. I have brown rice pasta cook it only for seven minutes <laughs> mm-hmm. or else you'll have a big mushy thing but I feel no denial in the way that I eat and my weight's very stabilized and I don't get pangs around you know in my large intestine so anyway mm-hmm. um so but that was the food you kind of changed your whole life into green because that's a new thing you're writing about now right yes moms on the verge of green came about me taking a look in my house and saying, you know, I saw one statistic and it said that the living in your home can be more toxic than living outside. And I go, what does that mean? And I started looking at all of my household cleaning products. Mm-hmm. And I was using bleach. I was using, you know, all the name brands of all the stuff that took grease and grime and out of your your sinks, out of your toilets, out of your wall, off the walls and the paint that you use and the plastic that you have underneath your rugs, um, offing all the gas. I mean, it became this whole thing where I said, oh, my goodness, I'm using every single chemical you could possibly imagine and my clothing detergent and my dry cleaner and so on and so on and so on. And the chemicals in my lawn. I said, all right, let me just start using more essential oils and baking soda and hydrogen peroxide and um, what else? Vinegar. Mm-hmm. and some, you know, seventh-generation stuff and some Young Living stuff. And, you know, I started just experimenting with what was out there to help me clean my home. And, you know, I just know that, yes, cleaning your house with vinegar does mm-hmm. make it stink, but <laughs> after 20 minutes, it goes away. Oh, really? Yeah. 
And when you clean your floors with vinegar and water mm-hmm. and a little bit of baking soda, forget about it. You have the best floors in the world, and you're not killing yourself with toxin fume, toxic fumes. And that might be a good tip with the recession. Is is it cheaper to do that? Yes. <laughs> so it's beneficial all the way around. Oh yes. You know, and your your yard. I go camping, and I you know Toby has sleepovers and tents and stuff, and I, we don't have fertilizer with chemicals in it. I have my own garden and I, you know, do composting now and that's great. It cuts down on your on your your trash and I try and recycle all the containers and um at first I got a little nutty and crazy and recycled absolutely everything. I wouldn't throw anything into the recycle bin. I said, Oh, I could use that but after a while you gotta be, you know, just realistic. But um I pass down my clothing as always, but I also am take you know, we're there's a whole cycle of not needing to go and buy new, 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 new. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So, and so um, do you give um, tips? I know you have like a, a Going Green a blog on iVillage. Yes. Do you give yeah. tips on things you can do or what do you, what do you oh, write sure. about on there? Well, one thing is to really go through your house and take a look at what you're consuming. Are you consuming lots of toxins in your food? Look at the label. Look at if you can't pronounce some of the words, it's time to start going more one-step process, you know, like from the ground to your plate. And the more you do that, your body says, thank God, oh, my God, you're listening to me. (laughs) So the less processed foods that you eat, the best, the better it is. Um, That's just number one, and organic. If you can go for organic more often than not, that's very, very important so that you're not taking in the pesticides. You're not taking in the chemicals. You're, especially in your meat, you're not taking in um, all the injections that our, our food source, our meat sources, our animal stock is getting to fight off infection. Um, and we don't really need extra steroids, quite frankly. Um, mm-hmm. So that's one thing. The other thing is um, do something fun. My daughter and I, when we go down to the beach, we have our week uh, each year that we just veg out. That's our time. Um, it's usually around my birthday, and she'll make me like a little tiara or something, but she wears the tiara when we do this. We, we're called the pickup princesses. Mm-hmm. We put beach towels around our necks, and when she wakes up early, uh, we go out and we go with a big plastic bag that we just you know either bought food with or something you know we recycle it, but we pick up all the trash off the beach mm. and um if we 're walking in town, we always have the newspaper plastic bags in in my car and we 'll open up the, my car door and take a plastic bag and if we 're taking a walk if we 're riding our bikes if it 's in our path, we stopped cursing people out and saying, "How can people be?" so bad with this we we had to change our attitude because we were constantly like befumped we couldn't believe the stuff that we would find and i had to start bringing surgical gloves because it was disgusting right so you just start not complaining and you start being a part of the solution right and not you, the problem right you pick it up so what pick right. it up throw it away you know make sure that you try and show your children without the complaining, without the bitching and the moaning, to do the right thing as often as you can. And then you just have to practice what you're preaching, and you'll be reminded, let me tell you, you're idling, Mom. 
Right, right. So right. turning off the car when you're waiting in the waiting line to picking up the kids, turn it off. Encourage your friends to turn off that engine. Um, if you can, walk to pick up, you know, whatever. So there's little things that you can do that make a big difference. Now, with all of the things you do, you also find time to contribute to char- charitable organizations. Um, one in particular I want to point out, because it's a connection with Plus Model Magazine, is that you're an ambassador for the National Multiple Sclerosis Society. Yeah. Now, are, are you still active with them? Um, I Over the last two years, I have not done the 100-mile bike uh, fundraiser, mm-hmm. um, but I am looking very forward to doing that. I'm actually involved with Montel's foundation, Okay. his MS foundation, Okay. So the national chapter is really wonderful, but I'm friends with Montel, and I I, I try to do both. So um, that's really my my father, my biological father had MS, and that's why I got I've gotten involved with uh, raising money and funds for multiple sclerosis. It's, it's well, yeah, the um, the editor of the magazine that I do this show with, Plus Model Magazine, was diagnosed with multiple sclerosis. So. Last month, um, oh. a whole bunch of plus-size women, we went and we did the MS walk. Um, oh, good. In Manhattan. So when I saw that you're affiliated with that, I was like, oh, I had no idea. Oh, wow. Did you have a nice time? I did. Then let me tell you, we, we had to stop and take breaks, but we made it. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's, we you know, it. good for you. Yeah. So we Thank raised you. money. Thank you. That's great. So, out of all of your accomplishments, what are you most proud of? Oh, you know, I'm I'm really proud of my daughter. I'm really proud of my daughter. I know that sounds corny, but I, you know, if I if I when when you hear, you know, she's been on walks in Marsh uh, in Washington with me, you know, and for women's rights and and you know, she hears what I talk about all the time. And for her to be able at age seven when a little girl says to her, you know, Toby, you're so tall, you're so big, you know, you're going to be bigger than that chair. And she says, now, you've got your body and I've got mine. Back off. Wow. And how old is she right now? Seven. Oh, that's fabulous. She's seven. And she then communicates with me that it hurts her feelings and all this stuff. And stuff, this stuff happens early. Mm -hmm. This teasing and all that and this is a a young girl who's a tomboy and very athletic she has the same same kind of body as mine when i was little and i just look at her i go we've got to help her too tobes she comes from a family maybe where the mommy is like starving herself and sending the message that in order to be accepted you have to be extremely thin and denying yourself food and pangs of hunger i said so would you like me to come in and talk about all different kinds of supermodels and all different kinds of careers. And she said, yes, that would be great. And it was really something. It was great to be able to write from the source, hear from my own backyard in my own home, my daughter's being affected by it. And it was really very um, awesome to see the eyes of this young girl as well as other girls in the classroom seeing the, the, the promotional reel that I showed and also showed other beautiful women that are diversified, whether you know they were the Cindy Crawfords or the Halle Berrys or them, and also the other women that I've worked with that are just divine, and saying, take a look at how beautiful these women are. Now, should we judge them only on their size? Mm-hmm. I don't think so. Mm-hmm. You know? And it, it was just, uh, it's, I'm proud of her. If you take 
my family out of the equation. I'm proud of the of the industry, um, the the individuals, the the stores that stand up firmly and say, acceptance. We need we support you, and if we continually encourage those stores, those companies, those sponsors, and those people that they're on the right target and we encourage them and we say, please do more, please get you know clothing out there, please promote your products with a diversified beauty, not just one or the other, but diversified. Mm-hmm. So it's a little bit more mainstream and not so in order to be accepted, you have to be ultra thin. That is like the... the I beg corporations around their, their um, conference tables saying, remember you have daughters. Remember right. you have wives. Right. Remember, you have a responsibility not to try and make as much money as you can by on our backs by making us feel less than. Think about all the more money that you're going to make by making us feel fantastic or that it's okay to be diversified. And yes, health is always the most important thing, and we do have a problem, but don't try and get into our homes and mm-hmm. forcing us out of not having clothes or forcing us to think that we're bad. Right. Stop that. Right. So, Emmy, do you have anything coming up that uh, you can talk about that we could be <laughs> looking for? Well, um, it's, it will it'll be very, very soon that I'll be able to talk about it. But I'm telling you, just go on to Emmy Style and um, join as a member, and you'll be the first people to know. Um, the, the site's going to be changing. There's going to be a whole new thing that I'm working on on my own. But professionally, there's going to be some great excitement soon. Okay, so some big things coming up in '09, or we'll yes. have to wait till 2010. Nope, nope, '09. This year. Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, <laughs> I'll be looking forward, and thank you so much for being on the show. It's been a pleasure talking with you. The hour went by fast. It certainly did, and you're a very good interviewer. I do, I do appreciate your work that you're doing in the plus size industry, and being so fabulous yourself. Honestly, and I love that you work so hard for self esteem and body image, and it's a team effort here. It definitely takes a village. Thank you so much. It's an honor coming from you, and definitely when when the things come out, let me know so I can announce it to all the listeners. I have you on my PR list. Don't worry. All right. (laughs) Thanks again, and enjoy the rest of your day. Thank you. Have a fabulous weekend. You too. Bye-bye. Okay, bye-bye. So tune in next time, and we'll have more Plus Industry professionals with stories to not only inspire you, but to keep you connected. Interested in advertising on our show, being a guest, or have comments, email us at guests at plusmodelmagazine.com. And if you haven't already, don't forget to join the Plus Model Radio pages on MySpace and Facebook. For more information about our show, go to our website at www.plusmodelmag.com. I've been your host this evening, Shanice Lewis. Thank you for tuning in and supporting Plus Model Radio, the number one podcast for plus-size women. Until next time, keep thriving in your curves and be blessed.
Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.